Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. And the warmest of welcomes to our listeners to Sports Talk, your one-stop shop for all the best of Bryanston and world sport. And this being the first episode back after a long summer hiatus, indeed the first episode of what I'm naming Season 2 of the show, it is absolutely jam-packed. In the first half of the show, as ever, we'll be talking Bryanston sport. Focusing in on two of our core autumn term games, hockey and rugby. We've got a range of interviews lined up with coaches and a variety of pundits ready to dissect the opening weeks of the Bryanson sporting year. Then in the second half of the show we'll be broadening our perspective to address all the best of world sport from the last few weeks. We'll be talking football and the opening month of the Premier League season, cricket and England's rollercoaster summer and the best of the last month's F1 action. And pupils of Bryanston, whether you're polishing off that assignment or chilling in the cafe, we want you to get involved. We would love to hear your opinions on anything we have to say and you can do this throughout the show by texting us on 66777 or even calling in on 0333. But let me introduce you to my amazing opening team of pundits for the new season. Representing our first team of the week for the new academic year, I have with me the wonderful Deputy Head Girl and First Eleven Hockey Captain Rom, plus her amazing teammate Eleanor. I'm also joined in the studio by regular pundit and all-round sports guru Mr. Morris, and in the producer's chair by the walking wisdom and familiar figure that is Hugh F., as I said, our very first Team of the Week award of the season goes to the first 11 hockey, and I was very lucky today to get a chance to catch up with their op- with their coach, Mr. Jay Morris, earlier today. Let's hear what he had to say about the opening few weeks of the season. So I've very kindly been joined by the head of hockey and uh, first team coach, uh, Mr. Jay Morris, uh, who's uh, kindly agreed to reflect on the start of the season uh, for girls hockey throughout the school. So, Mr. Morris, thank you for coming on. No, thanks for having me. So just to start with, um, how, how, in terms of focusing in on the first team, how's, how did pre-season go? Pre-season was good. Uh, we had a very positive sort of environment around the team. Uh, the girls brought in hard and we've tried a new approach this year, which is seems to have done really well. Um, we went to Exeter, played a fixture there and won convincingly, uh, which was positive from my point of view because we were, try- like I said, trying new things. And with every year, we have to integrate girls from B, A3 and A2 all into the same side. So the vibe in the team seems really good at the moment, um, which I think pre-season helped with. And... Yeah, it was very positive. It laid a good foundation for the term. Fantastic. And how long was that pre-season, was it? Uh, just a couple of days. Just so a couple of Friday, days. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And where, were days. you based at the university there? or? So, we were based here to train. Yeah. And then we went to the school. Okay, nice. Um, and then we came back and did some extra stuff here at school. So. Nice. So, who were the girls that really sort of emerged from that week, would you say? Uh, it's difficult to pinpoint anyone, really. I think what we've got at the moment is a really good team spirit and highlighting individuals is is tough but you know some of the girls have adapted really well Um, I was proud of the way the the girls in B who were new to B stepped up and integrated into that well Um, I thought the A3s showed a good sign of maturity and the A2s obviously stepping into a almost a leadership role yeah I'm not sure I'd single anyone out no no don't don't. Hero hero scored a fantastic goal which uh was very funny um, 
and it was also it was an excellent goal but it you know that that was a positive and just the effort from all of them it's a very you know team centered group that there's no individuals so it's, yeah. it's a positive in that sense. and that and that's so is is how many bees are, are sort of in the first team at the moment is here uh, the main one or no we've got six or seven i oh, think wow okay um, we're lucky this year we've got a, a group of girls which are all capable of playing first team, which Fantastic. is much larger than we've had in previous years. Yeah. So there are girls in B who have played. There'll be other girls in B who will play more. Yeah. Um, but then we've also got depth in A3 and A2. So it's that's, quite exciting. That's right? great to hear. And and so we saw that come to the fore right on the weekend with uh, what sounds like a great win against uh, Sherbourne girls. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, so the Sherbourne game was good. Uh, we came off a difficult game against Claysmore where we dominated in every respect other than scoring goals. Yeah. Um, and we all left the pitch puzzled how we hadn't beat them by yeah. 10 or 15 goals but that's the way sport is and then on Saturday the girls responded fantastically um, they started the game really well and then had a bit of a lull but the second half performance was fantastic they found themselves 2-0 down at half time um, uh, ha- having had multiple chances to score and I think everyone was worried it would be a repeat of Claysmore but credit to the girls they stepped up produced a fantastic second half performance and came away with a 3-2 win so lots yeah. of lots of tick boxes in terms of character and effort and yeah a good good Saturday yeah that sounds like it sounds like a great way to well to kick off the kind of main blocks block fixture season I guess what about looking down the school is have we got some talent coming up through the years as well the new D's looking decent as well? yeah I think at all levels we've got we've got more depth than we've had the yeah. first team girls like I said have got yeah. a squad of 20 plus players who could all play which is a positive place to be um, we've actually got one of the C girls who's playing with the first team at the moment um Delilah so she, ah, yeah, she's, she scored two goals for the first team on the weekend fantastic so pretty awesome dodged a hat-trick but we'll let her off for that <laughs> we'll let her off. Um, and then you know our, our C year group is a talented year group they had an outstanding win against Sherborne in the cup on Saturday they won by I think it was eight goals in the end um, convincing win where they you know there's a bunch of talented girls in that group um, and the 14s difficult first few weeks in terms of this is the first time many of them have ever put on a Bryanston shirt Absolutely. Or, or ever played on a full pitch. Yeah. But this is, you know, there's some talented girls across all the year groups. You know, we've got girls playing for B's and C teams that would, you know, should be pushing A team squad. So healthy, healthy position to be in. Well, that sounds fantastic, Mr. Morrison. Probably a good note to leave it on. Thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to seeing how the hockey club as a whole goes through the rest of the season. It sounds all very bright and positive at the moment. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, Mr. Morris, for joining me. And now I'm joining the studio by uh, two of our first 11 players. I've got Rom and Eleanor with me. So, Rom, first of all, is this your first, is this your radio, Bry Radio debut? <laughs> this is my first Bry Radio debut. I'm very excited to be here. I feel honoured. Fantastic. And Eleanor, I believe you've done a little bit of it before. I have. I have been on a politics show. <laughs> yeah, we'll get an early plug for yeah. our kind of co-Tuesday night uh, interlocking weeks uh, show. Uh, Mr. Waters' politics show. Right, girls. Well, uh, we heard Mr. Morris there give a very positive depiction um, of the uh, start of the first 11 season. Tell me a little bit more about it. Let's start with uh, pre-season. What were the highlights of that? What, what did we learn from that? What did we do? Rom, starting with you. Um, the pre-season was actually, like, amazing. We turned up to training on 
the Friday and straight away people just got very involved, which I mean, I was personally quite surprised about because, you know, it'd been a long summer. Yeah. Everyone comes back a bit, you know, oh, do I want to be here? But no, everyone really got into it. And then on the Saturday, we went and played at Exeter, I think it's called, I'm guessing Exeter School. School. Yeah. And we, everyone just tried so hard. I mean, we knew it was going to be difficult because none of us had ever really played together before. And it was a whole new dynamic and all the A2s from last year had gone. So we were getting to know each other. But we ended up winning 2-0 and it was just a really positive start for the season because it meant put everyone in a good mood, kind of showed that we could do it. And I think just set us off on a really good tone. And Eleanor, were you on this pre-season trip? I was not. I came for the last year, so I played on the Sunday, which is actually quite nice. Cause it was, quite... was the Sunday a different fixture? or was mm, The Sunday was just kind of training. training and reflecting on the match and going over stuff, but it was still like a good training session. Okay, fantastic. And on that pre-season trip, was it, were, was it Bs, A3s and A2s all taking part? Yes, it was. It was mainly actually A3s who were there. A lot okay. of A2s were busy. Okay. But it was, I mean, everyone who came is now. Yeah first team yeah and who so, so who, who were the real people who emerged on that week not wishing to call out anyone in particular <laughs> if you remember anyone um hero hero did very well she got the goals and so did francesca fantastic so that's what a b and an a3 there so yes being an a3 good, good to see some young emerging talent uh for the first team so girls just a little bit before we move into events the main season so far what are your roles on the pitch so rom you're captain, I understand. I am um, captain. Where do you play? I play in centre mid, okay. which I love. So I started off as a defender when I was in B, yeah. and then I've kind of worked my way worked up way the up, pitch. Upfield. And I mean, I, I think do a lot of running, but I, I mean, I work with Eleanor because Eleanor is my forward. Oh, fantastic. So we're actually a team together. And have you scored yet, Eleanor, this season, or yet I to get off the mark? I have not, but it's coming. But it's coming I can soon. feel it coming. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you I can exactly. feel it as well. You, yeah. you've got, you're, you're comp- you'll be competing for a golden stick, if that's a thing, with the with the, the C, uh, uh, Delilah, who's yeah. got off to a fantastic start, I understand. Yeah, no, she did she really, really well. on Saturday. Yeah. So good. Nice. Well, let's move into that, that game then, the Sherbourne game. So this sounds like an incredible fixture, uh, girls. Uh, Mr. Morris hinted at it there. Give me a give me a breakdown of what happened on Saturday. You start. Go on, Eleanor. Well, I don't really know. Well, we, start, we got so there. So amazing, Eleanor is speechless. <laughs> I know, I'm speechless. <laughs> um, we turned up. Everyone was in very good mood because normally this is quite a close match. Sherbourne is... Quite a big rival. They are typically the winners out of our events. But this year we were like, our team is pretty good. So yeah, Sherbourne girls is a is a proper tough. Yeah, they're they're a tough they're a tough fixture. So we turned up, warmed up as usual. You know, eyeing them up, seeing seeing how they look. Started and to be honest, they had first pushback and we played so much better than them. Mm. Like we got possession straight away, had multiple shots at goal. Fantastic. I mean, unluckily. Unluckily, is that word? Anyway. Yeah, that is a word. Yeah, okay, good. Um, that went into... None of them went in, but that was fine. We we worked with it. But then they got a goal, which was fine. We were still... Everyone was still Everyone's very positive. Still, yeah. You know, a goal's only a goal. You can work back from a goal. And we knew we were actually better than them. So we were, like, not that stressed. However, the second quarter, they got a goal. They got another goal. So okay. and we were 2-0 down. 2-0 down, down but, but very much sort of against the run of play. Yes. A bit like by the sounds of things. I mean, was Mr. Morris being fair with that Claysmore game, describing it as... Ed- no, he was being yeah. fair. We, again, were 
I think, the better side so in a Claysmore game. So at that stage, you're probably sort of visions of that game were coming back to you too, oh, no doubt. still haunting me. It's still haunting you. And then, yeah. but, then, but then what happened? What happened? How did it turn around? So the whistle went for half-time and, Mr. I mean... Gave quite a good talk. Yeah, what, what did he say? Well, first that? of all, he came over and went, all of you either look really angry or, like, I'm going to tell you yeah. off. And it was actually so true. Everyone looked quite horrified. Yeah. But he just said... He was actually great. He was like, I properly believe in you like i know we're gonna win this yeah and i know that if everyone tries really hard and puts in all the effort they can we will come out of this winning yeah. and i think something just switched in everyone where it's like if we all put as much effort in as each other someone it, it's gonna happen it was yeah. just a matter of time and within the first five minutes delilah, delilah. got the goal and it was a Banging goal to be really? fair. It was such well, a good goal. Describe it to me. I'm not a hockey purist, was, but so Mr. Morris. I think will, H had it from the back it. and smacked it to. I think she smacked it to Delilah, yeah. who was on the right, left. She was right. She was on the right, and she just absolutely murdered some girls going down she's the really right. She's at, really good at just, just sticks. People. She's got yeah. great skills. Has so she? she got into the D where I think she passed to Francesca who then gave it back to her and she just tapped it in like straight, just so clean, <coughs> easy. It was just brilliant. God, it sounds like a really, really nice girl. Yeah. Okay, so what, that was 2-1 then? So that was 2-1 and I mean, we all went crazy when that goal went in and then within and another everyone, two everyone's minutes. Everyone's just went even better than it was before. And then it just made people want to go harder because they were like look what we've just done in the first three minutes and then about five minutes later Delilah did the exact same thing oh, fantastic. got another goal and then the whistle went for the last quarter and two all now two all Game poised on a night the seconds edge. were watching us from the oh, side wow. you had miss miller was it was it at home or yeah, it was away away yeah and they had a lot of supporters so it was quite a good feeling kind of yeah. showing them up yeah and then in the last two minutes we got about five short corners in a row oh wow i mean literally, literally in the two minutes in the last two minutes so francesca starts yeah. it yeah and then normally hero or delilah <laughs> have the final has the shot yeah. and this time i think it went from hero to delilah who then Emily got a deflection. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. I think yeah. it was a deflection. Yeah. And I'm not joking. Our team went absolutely blistered. What were the celebrations like? Ev- we all just started kind of jump- screaming like and jumping. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I felt like we had won like, And was this, was this literally in the final minute? Last two yeah. minutes. Yeah. Oh, and wow. they had one of the big screens saying the time on it. Oh, wow. And then everyone was just like, defend, defend yeah. for now. And then... Were there any like hairy moments in the final minute, or did you no, see out the game? No, no, no. We just we oh, wow. we still had the ball, so we were just wasting yeah. time at this point. Awesome. But it was such a nice way to kind of. I think if we hadn't won that, it would have been really hard to kind of go. Okay, we've lost two in a row now. Yeah, what's going wrong? Yeah, but I think it really showed the actual talent. The team this year is so good. It's so good. I mean, the way you describe that, it sounds like it sounds like you really are a well-oiled team there. I mean, so so you mentioned some good names there. Uh, Going forward, I mean, where can this team go, uh, Rom? Where would you say? Is it, are I we, think are we, are I we genuinely a... think this is one of since I've been in the not to be my thing, but hey, been in the first since B, and this is I think the best team I've yeah. seen. As as in, I think the players are all like the same ability, but for some everyone's reason we've really, really gelled really this year. As well, like everyone really wants to get involved. No one's like grumpy. Everyone, just everyone, like, oh, everyone yeah. wants to do well, yeah. and I think that has. 
obviously everyone's had that in the past, but I think this year, this year you've it's actually, just worked. Something, something's clicked. Uh, something's Captain Romilly as well. Oh, well Captain, yeah. Captain leader legend, yeah, exactly. And who are the big fixtures? So you've played Sherbourne Girls, who obviously I presume Camford are on the radar at some point. Uh, Bruton will be a big one. Yeah. Kings Bruton, that's our next match. Yeah. And that's home. They don't want to come watch. Okay. 8th of October. Okay, big game. Um, yeah, big get game. in the diaries, people. <laughs> um, I think Marlborough's often quite a big match. Yeah. Because they're just normally quite a good side. Well, yeah, big, Camford, big always Camford. big. Yeah. Um, I think they're the three main ones mm. I can think of right now. And then we normally play Sherbourne again. Okay. Weirdly. So hopefully okay. that would be a second win. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it sounds absolutely fantastic, girls. And I, I'm sure all our listeners will join me in wishing you the best of luck for the season thank you very much for joining us in the studio have a good rest of your evenings Um, and we're going to play a quick song now and when we get back we're going to be talking our other core autumn sport well one of the uh, several other core autumn sports but that is rugby
So that was uh, Don't Bring Me Down by ELO following uh, uh, Eleanor and Rom uh, talking the first 11 hockey. We're now going to move uh, into uh, our sort of boys uh, core sport um, from, for the autumn term and that is of course rugby um, and we're going to work our way down through the teams. We're going to start with the first 15. Just a call out if you're anywhere on campus, campus Stan, it would lo- be lovely if you could get over to the studio so we could chat some rugby with you. But first of all, we're going to talk with uh, the first 15, uh, well, one of the first 15 rugby coaching team, that is Mr. Drake, whom I caught up with earlier today. So I've very kindly been joined uh, by Mr. Drake, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Bryanston rugby, particularly focusing on um, the first 15. So, Mr. Drake, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite. Great. And and so just first of all, how, how many years have you been involved in the first 15 setup? Uh, here? So I think this is my, my seventh year yeah. um, with, with, the, with the ones, so... Yeah. Nice and and from the from an early from the early days, how, how are this lot looking? How are they comparing with past years? Would you say? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about about this group and and the whole of game one. Actually, we have a really competitive uh, first and second team. Um, so yeah, out of out of all the years I've done it, the, this lot, yeah, hopefully by Christmas we'll be yeah hitting hitting the peaks of, of some of the years past. That's very exciting. So just in terms of what we've seen so far, we've had a cup game right against Griffin yeah, and. And a block Saturday fixture against Downside. Um, first of all, the cup game. I saw it was a fantastic result for Bryanston. Uh, what were the takeaways from that? But in terms of the rugby, it was a really, really good start. Uh, moving the ball, you know, actually for the first time in a few years, we, we do have a bit of size. Yeah. Um, so really trying to get the get the most out of our out of our carries, our go forward, yeah. and then to release. And we've got some some decent speed out wide. So um, to see you know some really good skills on display and some. Um, um, good aggression in the contact that was sort of Wednesday and then moving on we, we did a couple of work ons heading into downside on Saturday um, really playing with our heads up trying to move the ball a couple more passes um, and what was really pleasing was to see the boys uh, you know really uh, incorporate that into the game plan and, and yeah paid real dividends on Saturday fantastic fantastic so just focusing in on a couple of players uh, so we got so so the forwards key forwards we, who would we be looking, looking at there you've got some big boys there like yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, Stan, Stan. So uh, Stan ran at number eight last last Saturday. Um, we're hoping to get Ollie back, Captain Ollie back, yeah. back from his shoulder injury um, as soon as possible because he will add some some considerable yeah. uh, heft to, to the pack yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Finley Finley started well Fantastic. in the back row, and we Billy and Kieran are two new lads who have joined us in A three. Who yeah. Um, yeah, looking looking sharp. Great, and then so moving into the back line, who who have we got there? Who are our playmakers in the current team? So we've we've had a positional switch. Oli Oliar's come into scrum half, okay. having played fullback and on the wing, and he's looking really sharp. Really pleased with his progression in that shape. Uh, we'll see has uh, has made a good start at ten, um, and then actually the centre pair partnership is, is gelling nicely between Seb and, and Maverick, um, and you know we're just trying to get get Mav into space with, yeah. with ball in hand because he uh, yeah he can shift. Yeah, and you've got you've got quite a wide range of, of people who can play outside them as well, haven't you? Quite a few wingers and fullbacks. And... Yeah, really interchangeable. So it's an area that's really competitive. Yeah. Um, so new lad Ruben who's joined in A three, uh, George L started at fifteen yeah. as an A three as well. Which is really promising, and then you know you're looking at Dominic, Charlie, yeah. Finn, yeah. Uh, Favor. Like, yeah, yeah we're, that is a very competitive area. So H- haven't some of them like Dom even had to play in the forwards a bit to try and fit them into the 
yeah, again, we're trying to get the best out of the, the personnel, the group that we have, and, and really seeing where that need is and, and ultimately trying to get the best 15 players on the pitch at, at a given time. Absolutely. And so it sounds very positive so far. What, what's up next for this team? Do you have a game against Claysmore this week? Yeah, so Claysmore on Thursday uh, away, and then we're in the second round of the, the Cup, which is Wellington School at home, not Wellington College. Yeah, but okay, Wellington, Wellington School. school. Somerset. But that will um, still be a tough thing. Yeah, yeah, it always will be. It's, uh, it is, yeah, competitive cup. Big school. Um, yeah. And so that should be a good one we're looking forward to. And then I think Warminster on Saturday, or whether that's a ones or a twos game, or uh, maybe a mix. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Mr. Drake. That all sounds fantastic. And we look forward, no doubt, to following uh, the fortunes of the first 15 as the season progresses. Thank you thank very you much, Dr. Pauling. Thank you for coming on. Okay, so that was Mr. Drake talking rugby with me earlier today. When we haven't yet been joined by the first 15 captain, Stan, but um, we have got plenty of rugby know-how in this studio already, so we will talk a little bit about um, our observations from the first 15. I'm joined by uh, Mr. Morris. Welcome back, Mr. Morris, to Sports Talk. Are you excited to be on the air tonight? Oh, always, always excited to be on Sports Talk, Dr. Pullen. And joined by our, our regular, well, our most regular pundit and now turned uh, producer, Hugh. Welcome back, Hugh. Thank you. So, uh, Mr. Morris, I'll start with you. What have you made of? The, have you seen, managed to see much of the first fifteen this year so far? Yeah. So on um, Tuesday afternoon, I uh, go, go down and help out coach the first fifteen. Um, you know, they're, they're looking sharp. Um, like Mr. Drake said, there's a a wide range of talent in the back line, which is always exciting to see um, as a former back myself. Um, and it's nice to see that they, they are gelling together in there and they do look like a promising side going forwards. Yeah, I, I, I agree as well. I've, I've only caught uh, sort of snippets of it so far, but I watched a, you know, a fantastic performance against the Griffins school in the cup game the other day. Quick shout out as well. I feel like it's worth it uh, to Toby M, who might be sitting at home listening in, who suffered a really, uh, really, you know, an unfortunate injury in that game, uh, but took it really well. And, you know, we all wish him all the best uh, with his, with his recovery. Um, so that was, that was the Griffin. Um, in that game, I remember, I agree with, with what Mr. Drake said. There's some quite exciting uh, backs to see. There's some good pace. There's some big boys uh, taking the ball forward as well. So, uh, And I think even, you know, it, so far this season, we haven't seen much of Ollie um, or, or Stan either, who have both been injured. And, you know, as, as Mr. Drake said, they're going to add some considerable um, bulk, uh, and, and, you know, go forwards with that, with the, with the, with, uh, to that team already. Another person I've been impressed with so far, I don't know if you've done much work with him or seen him much is will uh see it from in uh from a3 uh mr morris have you seen much of him this season playing at 10 yeah um a shout out to will i've actually known will since he was about three years old um but we've done we've done a fair amount of work this season on his kicking game yeah um which hopefully will be moving on and getting better as the weeks go on um but no he's looking like a, a really promising player for the future um, and I'm sure when he gets settled into game one, he'll be a quality starter for the first team. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's it's quite a it's it's a big call because he's been moved. What well, he's been moved from nine to ten uh, uh, for the ones, and you know playing alongside to, uh, Ollie to get him in the team essentially. Um, and and yeah, it seems like he's developing a really nice kicking game. Uh, and obviously, it's going to be a, it's a hard thing to be starting ten for the first fifteen. But it, it, so far, he's so good basically. Yeah, no, he seems to be settling in well. Um, you know, it is a big role to be first team fly half, and um, no, I'm sure he will settle into that role as the season goes on. 
and then you know we had other people mentioned you know we had uh, we had people like Dom uh, and all these all these decent players who can play who are sort of all round players it must be really useful in a squad to have you know your sort of Jack Knoll type players who can be both forwards and backs um, uh, so that so that's great to hear as well yeah definitely Moving down the team, so the first 15 have had a great start to the season. They've had about 70 points too and not many against. The second 15 also equally had a great start against Downside on the weekend. They're part of that big squad which Mr Drake uh, spoke about. What about the under-16s? We're joined by an under-16 player, um, I believe... You played scrum half on the weekend, uh, Hugh, am I right? Yeah, I did. What, what, what were the takeaways from that opening game? Good stuff? Uh, well, yeah, relatively good. It was, wasn't the match that we really arrived to play. It was a bit of a romping, to be honest. But um, we got some takeaways which we used in training today and hopefully we can implement them on Thursday when we're playing Claysmore. Yeah, what did you? What, what were those takeaways and what did you work on today after that game? Um, we were looking at a bit of a getting d- deep... Um, our backs were a bit flat the line speed got to us in the first 15 minutes and then as that got sorted out throughout the match we um we um yeah we started running in tries everywhere yeah because i mean that under 16 squad that you have actually if you look down the list it's it's it does have most bases covered right you've got a nice range of you know more sort of ball playing backs and some some bigger units in there um a decent pack as well yeah, we got um, across the back line. We got speed size um, pairs with both speed and size. We got plenty. We have, I think at the weekend we're going to be playing with a ten fifteen axis of George and Tom, who both um, they usually both play fly half. So that's going to be good to see if they can unlock the players around them. Okay, so you're going for you're going for two kind of uh, playmaking uh, 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 figures in there. That's exciting. Um, uh, and in the pack, who have been the who have who's shone so far? You, did you get much scrummaging against against downside on the weekend? Yeah, or was it... both scrums and lineouts were uncontested. All oh, right, but, okay. Um, moving away from the set piece, I think uh, some of our tackles are really good. There's people like Zenadine, Barney, yeah. Rory, yeah. really hard tacklers, and then you've got some big carriers in there as well yeah and you guys you know over the years you've had some decent seasons you've had uh, you, you, you had a decent cup run last year am I right before coming up against a very tough Clifton team am I right um, and yeah and then Blundell's after that, yeah, which yes. we probably could have won and then we we're looking at a quarter final yeah. the plate I think so. yeah yeah, and then of course first year was sort of COVID affected, but but a decent team. Moving down the school, we've then got the under 15s as well. You know they, they they've had they've had a decent start of the season. They showed up against Downside and won uh, their their opening fixture. You know that squad in particular, I think, is a developing squad. I don't know. Are you involved in their in their coaching much, Mr. Morris? At the um, I'm I'm not, but um, I know that Mr. Elric has been very impressed, especially on Saturday. Um, yeah. I think he's been putting a lot of effort in both himself and Mr. Lee for a lot of effort at the start of the season. Yeah, and um, I know he in particular was really, really impressed with how they played on Saturday. Yeah, um, and nor may it continue because, like I said, it is a development, developing side, and um, I think it was a, it was a side that needed to probably grow a bit over yeah. <laughs> over the over the summer. Yeah, probably yeah. is quite a fair thing to say, but I think a lot of them have grown. Yeah, and um, they're now sort of starting to fit in in their year group in our in our fixture list. They're now not the smallest side, and their skill is now being able to be shown alongside their size. 
Yeah, well, that's one of the things that Bryanson Size have historically struggled a little bit with. We just don't normally have the bulk that other schools have. I don't know why that is, but it's it's just a historic challenge that we face, I guess. So, uh, Mr. Morris, a squad that you and I are getting to know quite well, the under-14s, what have you made of them so far? I'm really impressed so far. Um, this is my, my first... Uh, my first term at Bryson t- t- uh, coaching rugby, so it's been it's been really nice to see a, a squad of boys that are really really passionate about their rugby and a lot wanting to play contact, which is lovely to see. And um, there's a hell of a lot of talent in there as well. And um, we were just talking about before the show actually. I think it's been the first year in a few years here at Bryson where we have actually got a, a lot of boys to choose from to play in the A team. Mm. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of in between the A's and the B's this season. Um, and there's been some really promising signs that we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, so Saturday we played, would we, but it was a sort of, it was a kind of a training game really against downside. And But what, as Mr. Morris said, was great to see is that uh, essentially we do have a squad of about 40 to pick from, really 40 credible yeah. contact enjoying uh, players which is always a challenge and you know rugby you know we, we, we take this bold decision at Bryanston to make every D play rugby or give rugby a go and naturally as a game it's not going to be for everyone you know we try to cater for everyone by putting on you know alternative versions touch and kind of modified touch um, uh, uh, but contact certainly isn't going to be for everyone uh, but what's been great to see is the amount of different different people who have stood up and, and thrown themselves into it so far without you know without wishing to focus too much on individuals Mr Morris who who so far has caught your eye as someone to really watch out for moving forward um, I think Alfie um, yeah. he's playing, currently playing fly half for the 14A's he really, he's really stood out he's a really naturally talented games player he's also a very very talented cricketer yeah um We've got a few across the side. We've got Ilya, who is going to be probably a front row forward, who got a hat-trick on Saturday. Um, Will C, um, brother of first-team captain Ollie. Um, he's another one to look out for. Um, Theo S has really stood out to me. He's a really, really tidy little player. Played at 12 on Saturday. Um, with a sort of like like you added to like a double playmaking partnership with our 10 and our 12. Um, and there's some raw talents. We've got Giles on the wing, who... Is a very, very quick boy, um, and I think he's looking forward to seeing his development going forwards. Exciting. So, chaps, let's look ahead to, uh, well, the day after tomorrow. A big, now, what is now a big derby in the in the Bryanston fixture, our, our game against Claysmore. Um, let's start with you, Hugh. What, 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 over the years, what have you learned about this Claysmore team, and how, what do you guys need to do to beat them? Well, having played them last year, they they weren't a particularly strong side, but I think they had a few injuries, and I know some people know them through the Bath program, so I imagine they'll be a lot stronger this year. Yeah, and 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 how's you? Uh, so you said you said you're going to play the play with a kind of play double playmaker axis. Any other interesting selection calls in advance of the game on Thursday that Mr. Waters or uh, or is it Mr. Pope, who also coaches, will need to make? Um, I don't think so. I think the team's out. It's relatively normal. We've got a very strong B, B side, so they're going to be looking to challenge for places in the A's. They might be um, coming onto the pitch at half-time. We're going to see how it's going to be going, but we're taking a full... All, every single member of the squad is going over to Glazeball. The Every single playing member of the 15s rugby? Yeah. That that the Sorry, 16s rugby. That's fantastic. You know, that's that's a really great thing to hear, to be honest, because... As I said, you know, sometimes getting boys at this age to really commit to rugby can be a challenge, but um, uh, that's great if you have, you know, up to 40 players who are who are keen to play a proper fixture. 
Mr. Morris, what are your thoughts in advance of that Claysmore fixture? What are we looking to see from the boys moving out, moving on from the downside game? Um, well, first of all, my, my first time going to Claysmore for rugby um, in my sort of decade involved with Brian, so I've never played Claysmore rugby. So it'd be interesting for me to see what Claysmore brings to the table. Um, but in, from the boys' perspective, it's me their first fifteen aside game of the season. Um, we were only able to play twelve aside against downside on on Saturday. So it'd be interesting to see who comes in to the side um, and how it sort of shapes up when it's the full 15, 15 of them on the pitch. Um, I'm looking. F- what I'm looking for from a coaching perspective is us to keep on playing our our principles, looking to get our support game going, um, and sort of trying to build on our playing around the corner um, and starting to v- develop some sort of core rugby principles as we move through the season. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, in terms of those core rugby principles, would you say at the moment, although although obviously you know we want to win as many games as possible, would you say really you're trying to develop these boys as rugby players first and foremost, rather than just setting them up to win the next game? Yeah, absolutely. I think I believe at that younger age, I think obviously our winning is important and that, and that breeds real confidence in the year group, and I think it's really good for a year group to have a winning side. But I also think it's really important as they move through the school that they get that rugby education and they're not just, we're not just going to play to our immediate strengths of the time. We are going to look to develop and play a proper play at trial rugby um, and develop a well-rounded player so that when they do reach game one and reach the first team, hopefully in the future, um, we can focus on more of the tactical side of the game at that level. Um, and we're not trying to teach too many skills as we get to the top of the school. We've covered those in the, in the lower half and then we can look to move our players on as they go up through the school. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Morris. So, yeah, get down to watch. I'm not sure who quite is at home or away. I think the 14s are definitely at home. Yeah, I think it's largely juniors at home tomorrow. But, you know, big block fixture against Claysmore tomorrow. So it'd be great to see lots of support down there. That probably comp- concludes our Brian's the Sport section. We're going to go into a song. And then depending on who's here, we're going to be talking cricket or football. But there'll be plenty to say uh, on either of them. Be back in five minutes, people.
Just before we talk uh, some cricket, we thought it might be best uh, just to pay a quick tribute as sports broadcasters ourselves to one of the all-time greats, um, and that is Eddie Butler, um, the iconic rugby commentator. Uh, those of you who are fans of the Six Nations uh, will have heard him uh, year after year, who sadly passed away um, in what was obviously a more broadly very sad week last week, um, last Thursday. Boys, your memories of Eddie Eddie's voice on the airwaves and on, on, on the TV? Um, I think for me personally growing up, um, I'll remember his voice always being on during the Six Nations and for most Wales games you'd always have Eddie Butler on commentary and um, I think what I miss the most is his voiceovers on montages at the beginning or the end or before the last game of the Six Nations he'd always come up with some iconic voiceover on a montage and um, I think just his passion for, for the game and for all things Six Nations and Wales and the Lions um, and I think he's just going to be really really badly missed Hugh is one of the 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 most devout uh, Wales fans that I've ever met. You must be you must have you it must have touched you a bit when to hear of Eddie Butler's passing. Yeah, whenever I think of Welsh rugby, Welsh rugby's best moments, he's the voice in the background coming up with some iconic way of describing it. You could probably get five minutes of his best his best lines, lines and yeah. everyone would know them because they're just constantly replayed and he. Beautifully narrates them. I think the thing, the mo- the Eddie Butler moment that sticks in my mind the most. I don't know quite. I can't remember a particular line, but I remember him commenting on the twenty, the the culmination of the twenty thirteen uh, tournament. It might be a bit before your time, really, Hugh, where England went to the Millennium Stadium and lost thirty three and lost. For, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with a grand slam on the line, and, and Wales really sport the party. I remember Eddie Butler's voice very clearly uh, calling that one. Okay, let's move on then to talk. Um, some cricket so it's been a very busy summer uh, uh, for all sorts of cricket we've had uh, the test matches we've had England uh, beat both uh, New Zealand and South Africa with their new uh, basball approach. We've seen um, some very exciting uh, women's cricket as well. The 100, uh, the county championship is coming down to the wire. But let's start first of all with uh, the the oldest and classiest test match, classiest format, which is test match cricket. 
cricket. <laughs> Boys, uh, it's been quite an iconic summer, really, uh, for cricket. Hugh, what have you made of it? Well, it's so different for what we've had before. What, it was one in 17 tests, something ridiculous. And now we've gone five out, of, six out of seven or something. Um, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great summer. The style of cricket has been incredible. And, I mean, basketball is is definitely a thing for the future. Basball is definitely a thing for the future. I tell you what, I I um what when I was at the Lord's Test match, the one time where basball definitely didn't uh, didn't come off and I thought it might be heading towards um, an early grave, but once again England stuck to their guns uh, and what and, and you know came back with an absolutely comprehensive win uh, in the next game. I mean, Mr. Morris, what did you make of the Test series against South Africa? Um, I think it was just so nice to see the completely fresh approach from England in the end just completely blew the South Africans out of the water um, I think the South African captain came out before the series and actively criticised Basball um, and then throughout the series kind of just got pummeled by Basball um, yeah that which was, was D- Dean Elgar who Dean I, don't Elgar, think, I yeah. think he barely made a run actually when it's the quite season. ironic um, but I saw a stat the other day that England averaged a run rate of 4.4 in Test match cricket this summer, which might sound low to those listeners that aren't overly familiar with test match cricket, but I think if you look in the past, England probably averaged around two per over in test match cricket, and to see the likes of Bairstow and Stokes and the way they're going about their batting, um, it's just been just been great to watch. It's actually made me watch a lot more test match cricket when I don't have too much time on my hands, and I actually sit down and watch it because it's such, such great viewing. Yeah, absolutely. Although I don't want to be a killjoy, but is it not still? Is it not still a little bit of the case of you know we show up in England, we give it to our seam attack, and they get the job done? No, nah, just 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 be here for basketball and enjoy it. I think okay. I think it's breathing life back into Test match cricket, and I think I think if anything, the batting side of it may work equally well around the world, but it's going to as you say, it might be the bowling that looks to struggle around the world, and we need Joffre and that back fit. Yeah, well, that's that. That is part of the part of the thing, isn't it? Because we're off, of course, to one of the most well for the first time, I think, in uh, eighteen years. I'm going to say we're 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 touring Pakistan this winter, um, which of course is a famously tough place uh, for anywhere from the northern well for, for England to go. Um, what do we need to do, boys, out there to kind of translate some of this, some of the success we've had at home uh, uh, out there, Hugh? Uh, well, I, I I hope it's going to reverse out in Pakistan. I know that's what it was doing. Well, they've not played there in my lifetime, but that's what I've heard the likes of Wazim Wacker doing, and Jimmy Anderson's one of the masters of the bat. But it's a real shame that the likes of Saqib Mood, Ollie Stone, Jofra Archer, Markwood, they're all injured because that's somewhere they could really thrive. Yeah, have we had any updates on any of them? Are they all expected to be still injured come December? or? Um, I think so. I'm not sure. I'm, I... Joffre Archer's been bowling again this weekend, I think, for the first time in almost a year. So that that's good progress. Yeah, because you know that you look down that team and it is very much a sort of bowling attack cut out for English conditions. To be honest, you know people like y- yes, you're right. Anderson is an incredibly skillful bowler, but that sort of reverse swing you know ideally you want it to be delivered 10 miles per hour faster right than, than than him don't get me wrong i have no doubt he'll go out there and deliver deliver really well and and you know keep things tidy and whatnot but but it'd be nice to have that sort of x factor bowler likewise i mean we're still i mean leach had his moments this summer are we still potentially 
little bit lacking in the spin department, people. I think Moeen Ali's unretired himself, which is going to be a good thing because that's going to improve our batting. We're kind of down on a second all-rounder apart from Ben Stokes. Stuart Broad's at least one, if not two, positions too high at number eight. At number eight. And I think Moeen is probably a much better spinner than Jack Leach. He's been there, he's done it before. He's had, Jack Leach had a good summer, but I think if Moeen had been in his shoes, he'd have done a lot better job. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right in that Moe and Ali is going to strengthen uh, any side that he really comes into, to be honest. You know, to have that, have that you know, world-class all-rounder and their spin-bowling all-rounder is such a luxury uh, uh, that, England, that, that, that England have. And, you know, if we can get him out of retirement for, for Red Bull cricket, that sounds fantastic. Um, OK, so so that's Red Bull stuff. What about White Bull stuff? We I guess we've got the 2020 World Cup coming up here, am I right? Yeah, it sneaked up on us. Last year. Last year's World Cup feels really quite recent, but um, England, after the, the win today, looking in relatively good shape. They've not had the best summer. They um, lost both white ball series to South Africa, and the like, um, injuries to Johnny Bastow and the pace bowlers we mentioned are going to hinder them. But if you look at the teams that played today, there's no Joss Butler. No J- Jason Roy's been dropped, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They've got Alex Hales has come back at a 50. Phil Salt's looked on great form. Dawid Milan was one of the best 2020 batsmen in the world. What what they've got in front of them is really good. Yeah, I mean, England do have a, an enviable uh, strength and depth. Um, and and uh, am I right in saying that actually, although he's retired from one-day cricket, Ben Stokes is still available for 2020s? Yeah, I think Ben Stokes. Yeah, he is. He so he'll, he'll obviously, he'll obviously, you know, again, like Moeen Ali, he's a player that will always strengthen um, any team. Yeah, so th- so that 2020 World Cup, England are currently prepping uh, for it with a kind of early uh, series against Pakistan. Um, you know, not really linked up with the Test series later on a separate white ball series. And actually, they've just had their opening encounter seems ridiculous to be playing so early after a long long summer but there we go uh in karachi probably a pretty historic game probably to be honest because that will be the first uh england international there you know in in 20 or so years um and england basically uh bowled well by the looks of things luke wood uh was making his debut for england and the left armor and had very economical figures of four over three for 24 i believe he had a really good hundred campaign actually and i think he's got selected on the back of that in fact it looks like england played three left armors in uh willie curran and wood uh they had the pace of gleason in there and two spinners rashid nally and then england as you said uh you know, it doesn't look like they won particularly convincingly, but, you know, stitched together a decent batting performance. And the headline performance really out of that has to be the return of Alex Hale, who, Alex Hales, who, I mean, am I going to get this right? As you know, he probably hasn't played in an England shirt for what, since the Ben Stokes affair in 2017? Yeah, I don't think so. I know that he was completely shut out after the, uh, just before the 2019 World Cup. I don't think he played in that period in between. What do you make of Hales as a player, Mr. Morris? Do you think he's someone who can add something to this already very strong England squad? Um, I mean, there's no doubt in Hales' ability. Um, he's been one of the best um, opening T20 bats in the world for probably close to a decade now. Um, he's done very well in the Big Bash. Um, he's gone for a lot of money in the Big Bash and in the PSL. Um, and I think as long as the England camp feel that they can get his character right, um, that's something that's coming to question a lot with the light of the, in the light of the Ben Stokes documentary um, and his role in the Bristol incident. Um, as long as they can get that right and there's 
um, the right environment in the team. I don't see any reason why Alex Hill shouldn't be in the side, especially given Johnny Bursley's unfortunate injury on the golf course. Um, I think he is the next one up because Tom Banton hasn't scored many runs this season. Um, so it was going to be Alex Hales as the next one up to open the order. Um, and I think to him, for him to partner, Josh Butler is still world-class. I mean, it's really not a bad sort of second second division. And you think they could have even recalled uh, Roy in that moment and they chose to stick to their guns and actually say, we're not going to pick someone incredibly out of form. Yeah, I mean, Hales, for my mind, I think everyone earns a second chance, right? You know, I mean, Morgan was fairly scathing about him and said, no, I can't really pick that man at the moment. But, you know, he's done his time. Let's let bygones be bygones. And I reckon give him the best chance because on his day, he can be an incredibly destructive batsman. Right, chaps, we will leave cricket there. We're going to play another quick song. Um, and uh, when we come back we'll be talking uh, football uh, I believe with uh, George and Ollie Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ground control to Major Tom Commencing countdown engines on Check ignition and may God's love be with you. Welcome back to Bry Radio Sports Talk. The time is 10 past 9 and we're going to be talking football now. Uh, Mr. Morris and I, two uh, supporters of pretty much top of the table teams at the moment, are joined by two supporters of fairly mid-table mediocre teams. I've got on my uh, right, Ollie and, uh, and George. Welcome to the studio, chaps. Hello. You have to speak really loudly into the mic. 
Proud to be here. Proud to be here. Is this your first uh, appearance on Bry Radio? Uh, I've done an interview before. This is Ollie speaking, by the way. First time in the studio, so very, very privileged. That's my first time. Your first time, George, So and and Ollie's uh, uh, been here a little bit. Right, chaps. Uh, Ollie, first of all, what have you made of the the opening to the Premier League? What have you made of the season so far? Shocking, surprising, not what I expected. Um, But... I mean, that's what you expect in the Premier League, isn't it? Something that's going to uh, shock you and uh, surprise you. So what, what's been particularly shocking to your mind so far? Were you expecting, say, Chelsea and Liverpool to get off to a great start? or I made a prediction at the start of the season that Liverpool were going to have a stinker of a season. And and they're they're and delivering. And it's evidently on, happened. They're delivering on that one. I mean, I mean, given that you're given that you're a, a Chelsea fan, uh, first of all, I may as well come to you on this one. What do you make of the sacking, the seemingly quite abrupt sacking of uh, Thomas Tuchel and appointment of of our former man Graham Potter? Um, to be honest, as a fan, I think it's slightly disgusting. He was told he was going to be given time, yeah. but evidently he didn't. However, stuff's come out afterwards that he wasn't happy with his new role because he was asked to play a bigger part in the uh, the fold of Chelsea, but he just wanted to focus on the coaching. So um, we've got Graham Potter, promising manager, so hopefully he can make the changes that, that are needed to get us back on track. I mean, the one thing I would say is, you know, obviously being a Brighton fan, I'm going to rate Graham Potter, but he doesn't really have yet the credentials that demonstrate that he's an appropriate man for Chelsea, where let's be honest, you really have to win something in your first season or, well, what else can you do really? Well, yeah, I I totally agree, but it's the new ownership. It's the new style. They've said to Graham Potter straight away, if you don't get Champions League football this season, we're not sacking you. This is the long-term thing. Um, They're trying to build a team that are going to take a while but will win everything when it reaches its peak. And and what, you, the Chelsea fans, would tolerate not having Champions League football next season? I think that is the aim right now, Champions League football and maybe FA Cup or a Carabao Cup. I don't see us a big threat in the Champions League or even the Prem this season. But um, I think we've got the depth to keep it ticking over. And George, coming to you, I mean, your team, Liverpool, have had an equally tough start to the season. What's what's kind of gone wrong here? I mean, you just seemingly can't win enough games. I know, I know. I think it's uh, sort of that bond that we had for about five years. Um, You know, I think Mane leaving was so crucial for us. Um, You know, he played such a crucial part in the last five years under Klopp that sort of him coming out and then, you know, Nunes coming in and obviously that red card sort of shocked us a bit. Uh, yeah, just I just think Mane leaving sort of leaves that sort of void yeah. which the team, you know, sort of sort of bonded around, you know, that top three, Firmino, Salah yeah. um, and, you know, Nunes, I think, you know, obviously he's been compared with Haaland mm. at the beginning. You know, it was always, I think Haaland was always the favourite in that sort of comparison. Um, I did back him, but obviously one goal compared to Haaland's God knows how many. It doesn't, doesn't it's a quite bit, yeah. stack up, does it? And what about at the back? I mean, am I right in saying that Van Dyke hasn't quite been the rock that he that, that he has been in past seasons? Yeah, I mean, I think we're conceding every game now. Um, <laughs> you know, Kanate is playing all right, I guess. But, you know, Virgil, you know, he has to play. He has to be that, you know, him playing well 
makes the whole whole team play well. Um, sort of, yeah, something switched off. I'm not sure what it is. And what what do you think you guys need to do? Do you need a big January window, or do you conceivably need to get a new manager? I mean, no, I think is it time to is it is it panic button time yet, or? I think when um, when Klopp first came in in 2015, you know, he was given a squad that was sort of sort of the leftovers of Brendan Rodgers, and yeah. um, over about four years, you know, he built that team into Champions League winners, into Premier League winners, yeah. and now he's you know he's won everything that he can win. And I feel like the team he's got now, obviously it's similar, but Nunes, you know, he has to find a way to fit him in, and you know, I I think give him a season, see how it goes. Uh, Champions League football obviously is crucial and if he gets that then yeah yeah. so we, we are going to talk about probably the more likely winners of the title at this stage City but I do want to come to Mr Morris who's looking very gleeful over on the other side of, of, of the studio Mr Morris are we finally seeing a return to Arsenal's glory days or is this a brief sort of flash in the pan um, well obviously as an Arsenal I really do hope this is a return to our glory days but I think it is very early in the season so far but when you watch Arsenal play at the moment um, you can't help but be impressed in the way they play um, even in our one loss to United I think we were the better side overall um, United were very clinical on the counter attack that day but having watched this whole sort of Arteta reign even before since Wenger's gone and since he moved to the Emirates really we've been this sort of weak fragile team and now you look at us and you've got Saliba and Gabriel at the back both six foot four plus you've got Partey in the middle with Xhaka playing the best football of his Arsenal career so far um, you've got the creativity of Odegaard and Saka um, and then the biggest difference obviously is Gabriel Jesus up front who for years at City was playing in this sort of like robotic role under Pep and wasn't allowed to be the phenomenon that everyone saw him coming out of Brazil from when he left Palmeiras. Um, but Arsenal, he's just, he, he looks like this world-class forward that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, and it's just a joy to watch us at the moment. And um, long may it continue. I mean, I'm not going to question any of those words because they sounded so fluent and so so passionate about your own team. Chaps, what about Man City? I mean, is it their title to lose from here? I know Arsenal currently up top. Yeah. But I mean, it, yes, they they haven't won every game. Am I right? They've drawn a couple, but but uh, looks like they made a great signing in Haaland as well. I just don't see them losing it. To be perfectly honest, I think Arsenal got contested once with a big club, and they. They got put down, to be perfectly honest. I mean, they've played one good club in this run, Man United, who's obviously a big, big club compared to the others, um, and they've they didn't perform. So I think Arsenal's run run will slow down. I think they'll still probably make top four, but I don't think uh, mm. they'll contest Man City for it yeah. at all. Are you backing Brighton for top four, <laughs> Ollie? I think it's Europa League. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely... My expectations and, and, and hopes are, are rising day by day, um, although I'm intrigued to see what this new manager offers. I have to be honest, I'm not that clued up on his background. Mm. So if any of you want to tell me anything about him? He was at Sassuolo in Serie A last season. Um, took Sassuolo quite hard up the league in his in his tenure. Had some very good players like Domenico Berardi, a regular Italian international. Um, plays very progressive attacking football, similar to Potter. Yeah. Um, 
he's been like the classic a real student of the game is very adept tactical manager um and i think he fits into that brighton way of mm. being really intelligent with their signings and their da- their data analy- analytics are, are sort of league leading um, yeah we are good at that sort of and thing. i think he brings in uh, a, a real left field um option um there was talk of um Steve Cooper from Nottingham Forest, but I think Deservey is a really interesting option and a very, very Brighton-type choice. Well, that's very interesting to hear, Mr Morris. One little thing, boys, on on international football, because, of course, we do have, uh, I don't know, you might consider it frustratingly an international break coming up this weekend. Big game against Italy, I guess, in the Nations League. Obviously, one eye now on the World Cup coming up uh, this autumn, this unusual autumn World Cup. What are our prospects, boys? Um, yeah, so sort of the Nations League, I think, is quite important for England. You know, it's a chance for sort of Gareth to sort of choose players that yeah. he might not have chosen. You know, those that, that have been performing recently, uh, like Tony for Brentford, um, sort of giving them a chance to prove themselves in an England shirt before the World Cup. Uh, and I think England are in a quite, quite a bad position in the Nations League. I think they lost, obviously lost 4-0 to Hungary last time. Um, and there's a chance they may, they may go down to group group B in it yeah my one question for the World Cup is truthfully I need everyone's opinion here who are you taking over Trent and Reese James honestly Mr Morris do you have an opinion on that I mean the way Trent's currently playing you wouldn't pick Trent over Reese James um, but I think when you go into major tournaments set pieces are incredibly incredibly crucial in in, in a in major tournaments and Trent's set piece delivery is second to none in the world um, my bigger question for the England squad at the moment would be how is Gareth Arke not picking players who are actually playing well I mean, we're sticking with Maguire Cody um, he's re-added Henderson into the squad um, names that I could think of that are playing better um, currently are people like Ben White Arsenal Webster Brighton mm. um, both formerly Brighton both, well. yeah, both formerly Brighton <laughs> but there's, there's lots of good you know, English talent coming through at the moment and Gareth's still picking these players to play a five back system when we've got one of the best attacking crops we've had since the gold, the, the golden generation of my youth um, there's not been a better attacking crop of players in English football with Foden Saka Kane Sancho I'm sure I'm forgetting Mount people players like this that are lighting up the Premier League but can't get in Southgate's squad because he's going to continue to play this 3-5-2 formation that didn't quite work at Euro 2020 I think, so, oh go on Ollie. I think this might be one of his I think it will be his last World Cup this Gareth Southgate yeah, I mean, I mean, he but he has does have a great record relatively um, at, at tournament football. I just want to finish off this football section, boys, by just going around the room. I want the answers to two questions. Firstly, can Man City lose the Premier League this season? Yes or no? And secondly, can England win the World Cup? And I'm going to say probably no and no to both of them. Um, Man City. <laughs> Cannot win the league. I think the only competitive team, obviously, you mean cannot lose. Sorry, cannot lose. Yeah, it's a bit of a double negative. Sort of since 2017, they've they've pretty much clean sweep the league, apart from Liverpool, obviously, in 2020. Terms of England, um, uh, sort of fourth place in 2018, runners up in the Euros. I mean, you'd say they'd have a pretty good chance, but recently, how results have been looking, I'm not sure. And Miss Morris. 
Um, I do think it's Man City's title to lose. I think it will be much closer than people are predicting at the, mo- at the moment. Um, I think both North London clubs will probably be in there till the end. The way they're both playing at the moment, they'll see very contrasting styles of play. Um, and I do think England can win the World Cup um, if Gareth picks a, a positive squad and gets away from this five-back system and utilises our squad in the best way possible. Final word on football from Ollie here. Um... I do think Man City can win, can lose the title because I think Potter's now going to build a lot of momentum and Chelsea are going to be a massive threat, uh, probably win the league. Uh, <laughs> and England at the World Cup. And England will not win the World Cup, but I also want to give a shout out to Birmingham City, who I think are looking threatening in the Championship this season. There we go, a final word from Ollie on Birmingham City uh, in the Championship. We're going to get some new pundits in the studio, we're going to get our F1 team in the background, we're going to play a bit of uh, Mr Mills's beloved F1 theme as well just back in about a minute or so talking F1 is the iconic uh, F1 theme and we're back for the final short segment of our shows with the familiar voices uh, of Ben and Alfie our resident F1 pundit and Bry Radio enthusiast chaps one of you let's start with Alfie tell us what's what's been happening in the world of F1 over the summer I have to be honest I still haven't quite got into it myself (laughs) so you're going to have to take the lead okay well um, there's always a little like summer break in um, uh, like uh, during our summer as well um, so it means there hasn't been as many developments in the racing world um, we got Verstappen who's definitely taking the lead now um, in the championships and Red Bull itself in the constructors um, uh, Vettel um, one of the longest serving F1 drivers he joined in 2008 I believe he is now leaving this after this season and we're also seeing Daniel Ricciardo leaving um, at the end, but he's leaving McLaren, and there's doubts that he'll actually come back to F1 as a sport itself. And he's still he's still quite new to F1, which is sad yeah. to see him go. But he's not. A, he used to be a really good driver, but he's since he went to Renault, and then he went to McLaren after. Hopefully, like Renault was really bad for him, and so he went to McLaren. It's been a little bit better, but it's just not where McLaren wants him to be so now they're getting in a rookie and yeah so during the summer period it's normally where teams will announce stuff yeah so for example Vettel leaving or what rookie drivers they've picked to come into so I think we've got one rookie so far of his name I've completely forgotten he won the F2 championship last year okay he's joining McLaren so he'll be alongside alongside Lando Norris now so it will be very exciting exactly um Sorry, we also had the um, 2023 F1 calendar release about five hours ago. Okay, and we're seeing one completely new race, Las Vegas in Ooh, America. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's one Ricardo wants us to race. Sadly, um, his plans have changed. Yeah, 
Unless the team quickly gets him in, which may or may not be possible. Yeah. I mean, that's if he actually wants to go back in as well. Yeah. Um, there's doubts about that as well. And so, boys, are we now into the kind of business end of the season now? Are we back out there, or there's a I've got the count. There's a couple more races. We're, we're just we're just over halfway, actually. Yeah, yeah, just um, over yeah, halfway. No, last race is in December. That yeah. finishes with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, as it um, always does. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's always the wild ride, as we saw last season with yeah. the famous battle between Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, however, um, Verstappen's got such a big lead this season, it definitely won't be as close as it was. Okay, so you're telling me that Verstappen's a shoe in basically. So, yes. If he wins next race, yeah. he has won the championship. And where is the next race? The next race is Singapore. Singapore. What, what's, what's, what's sort of distinctive about that uh, uh, Grand Prix? It's a city circuit, so yeah. it's very tight. Yeah. Um, it's not like all um, uh, well, the other bigger tracks, for example, Hungary, where you can you know take wide corners and stuff. Like if you do mess up, then you probably will be out the race just because it's very thin. Yeah, and so so then, boys. So it, 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 with F one, is it are we are we then envisaging a similar thing happening happening next season as well, or have you got any big predictions at this stage for? What's going to happen next um, year? Is it not a sport where you can really call it like that? You can and you can't because suddenly there could be an incredible driver pop up or just an incredible car. Yeah. One team, if one team gets it right, they have a very good chance of winning. Like you do need incredible drivers in your team, but you need to have a fantastic car to yeah. have a chance with any with any of F one. Yeah. I mean, of course, improvements are made throughout the season as well. Like we saw Ferrari come back on top as well as well as Mercedes as well um, like at the start of the season for example everyone thought Haas was going to do great but they haven't improved their car as much as all the other ones did at the start um, so they started off really strong and have just kind of fallen off um, similar to where they were last year so boys just before we conclude the show are there any any final big stories from the world of F1 um, or motor racing generally that you want to mention or or any, or any tips for, for the upcoming races Oh, the the best thing it's a bit of a tip to get into F1 we say this every time yeah. just watch Drive to Survive yeah. Yeah. it's incredible it's, pay us to say us the- yeah they should they should you really just it's it, I was watching it and then mm-hmm. years and years ago and instantly I was in, like into F1 everything was incredible about yeah. it but Drive to Survive is the way you get in. It's a great series. Have yeah. you watched it? I still haven't yet, uh, uh, Ben, but it is definitely on my to-do list. Yeah. Um, and I think with that fight, unless you have a final word, Ben? No, I think that's it. I yeah. think on that final no. plug... Well turned on. Yeah, yeah, on that final plug, the final message from this show <laughs> is that we should all be watching uh, Drive to, sh- to Survive. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining us, folks. Um, that is pretty much it from today. Uh, uh, our next show will be on October the 4th, by which time the Premier League will have returned. Good luck, uh, I guess, to all the rugby boys uh, with their block for Fixture versus Clays more tomorrow. And in the meantime, keep playing, watching, and most importantly, talking sport. I've been Dr. Pullen. It's been a pleasure having you. Good night. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.